Today we have on the podcast, Mark Groves, human connection specialist, not a relationship coach, but to me, that is the same thing. <laughs> I don't know that it is the same. What's the difference? Well, you know, human connection, relationship coach is specific generally to romantic relationships is where I really liked the idea of general human connection and community, you know, like human systems too. Okay. Well, when I think relationship coach, I, in my head, I think any relationship. I'm also, I'm also, <laughs> yeah, more, I'm also more direct too, because when you said that, because I quoted you in my book, da, 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 Mark Gross, and I said, what do you want your title to be? And you said, human connection specialist. And I, was, I said, like, that's like relationship coach. You're you like, mean a relationship no. coach? <laughs> uh, so are you a relationship coach then now? In, in a way, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm sharing my story. I don't coach people one-on-one -on -one, though. That's true. You're more like, I don't either anymore. So, you know, it's more like, uh, maybe you're like a relationship mentor. Mentor is a good word. I think I make a good mentor. I think you do too. That's true. Thanks. Okay. I wanted to, I wanted to find a way to like insult you in there, but I was like, no, <laughs> this is our friendship. I'm like, how can I get a dig in there? But I'm I couldn't, sure. I had to compliment you. You have another hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> All right. So this podcast episode is about friendship and friendship with the opposite sex. Oof. Yeah. And Mark has a lot of experience with this because you have a lot of female friends. That's true. This is a juicy subject for people though. There's no doubt about that. Why do you think it's such a hard subject for so many people? Well, I think in a heteronormative sense, you know, speaking that, but I think any gender combination, whatever gender your partner is interested in, um, we have a hard time holding space for friendships with that or holding space for our partner to have friendships with that uh, specific gender because it's um, it feels like it's probably opening a door or threatening because friendship is intimacy. And so we fear that that intimacy will lead to romantic feelings, which, you know, if you're to look at the total sample of human experience over time, there's pretty good data to support that fear. So you know, most people have affairs with people they work with, um, but also, you know, they probably develop friendships with those people at work. So it, it is a rightful territory to be uh, sensitive and curious about. Okay. Now, what does a person, what skills do they have to have to have healthy friendships with the opposite sex? Well, you have to be clear about your expectations and have clear boundaries. You know, I think one of the biggest differences, you know, when I think about like female friendships that I had when I was younger, I mean, I hooked up with female friends, you know, so it's a, <laughs> you have to be really, you have not while I was in a relationship, but you know, I, I think we have to be really clear about what our truest intentions are. And we also have to, um, maintain a level of maturity when it comes to our sexual energy. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily do that or they get um, 
emotion their emotional needs met by friends they might also find that you know yeah i think it's a huge red flag immediately if you meet someone and they're in a partnership and they're not interested in introducing you to their partner or they don't talk about them and vice versa you know like in partnership it's important that my partner feels safe with all of my friends who are female and do you practice this in your own relationship yeah yes 100 percent were you always good at it? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. You know, when I was, I, I remember having a friend from college who I played basketball with sometimes. She was just like really cool girl. We were just friends, always were. And when my, I remember my girlfriend having a real problem with her friendship. And I remember being like, yeah, but that's your problem because like there's no issue here i don't know now and so i basically gaslit her and didn't <laughs> hear you know i didn't really listen to what she was really trying to say which is i don't feel safe and ultimately the right thing for me to have what the right thing for me to have said would have been okay what would make it feel safe for you tell me more about that what's it bringing up for you because sometimes it is jealousy that's created from a previous relational experience you know but that means it has an opportunity to be healed you know in this in the, in the current relationship so i certainly have not always been good at it have you uh no i have not always been good at it and even now i mean now it's great because i feel like p and i both have good communication skills we have good boundaries we're both people of integrity um however sometimes i think about because i have a good handful of guy friends mm -hmm. and he i mean he keeps in touch like he's uh like if he bumps into his exes they're friendly but he doesn't really have female friends and i try to think of it from his perspective because i feel like if, if he had as many guy friends as i had i actually wouldn't be that comfortable <laughs> with it <laughs> um so i just kind of think of like you know how they say like you should do what how you want to be treated but the thing is pete and i are are different people like he genuinely is not bothered by it yeah you know i i think of like kylie and i and kai has some guy friends but i have far more people that i engage with in general like you know, she might get five texts a day. And I'm like, uh, my phone, I don't answer all my texts because I get so many. I know same. you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, uh, <laughs> that was good. I, it, because I get so overwhelmed by them. And so I think we have just that different, we definitely have a different way of being. She's much more introverted. Yes. And so, you know, just in that alone is, she's not interested in keeping more than like, you know, let's say like eight, close friends is where I mean gosh my guy friend group from growing up is like 18 guys you know so it's uh, you're right though being able to recognize that different people do it differently is really important because it's it's easy to say the way I do it is right why do you have more female male friends which you know which is really just the projection of our own morality and with you when you're in a relationship do some of your female friendships naturally kind of die off? I'd say when, because I was recently single, I would for sure some of the friendships got, we got closer. Um, 
And so I would say, yeah, because there's more time invested in my partnership, more time invested with, with her, there's less engagement uh, for sure. I mean, logically, there's just less space. Yeah, exactly. You know, like where I might have hung out with like a group of friends and seen the, some female friends and gone to a movie when you were allowed to do things like that. Uh, that that now I just don't have as much time for that, which makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. So if you had a female friend and your partner was not comfortable with this person, but legitimately like you've been friends with this person for a long time, there's nothing going on and this friendship's important to you. And like you were saying before, like maybe it is a jealousy thing from their previous Mm -hmm. you know previous experience however you love your partner a lot too and you want that to work like at what point like that takes a balance right of which you almost like you have to if you're in a put in a position where you felt like you kind of had to choose I would have a hard time choosing because for me it would be like if I know that the energetic channels are legitimately in integrity and clean yeah. then I know that it's something else. You know, I know that it's something else. I would I would want to work through what's going on with my partnership. I would not be willing to end a friendship okay. for that. I don't think because I'd never, I mean, I've not been in that situation, mm -hmm. um, but I've certainly had, you know, a partner be curious or uncomfortable about a friendship that I've had. And, and it just led me to be like, okay, tell me more about that. What's coming up for you? Um, what would make it safe? but it would be real hard to be put in that ultimatum place, you know, but I, I do think it's important to recognize like which relationship is our primary relationship, you know, which one is most important to us. And, you know, like my romantic relationship is sacred, you know, and so everything comes after protecting and preserving it. So I would really want to know though, there, if, if everything was actually clean and there was an attempt from the friend to be friends with my partner, um, then I would wonder if there's just something else going on, old stuff being kicked up for my partner. I'd, be, I'd get real curious about that. Would you end a friendship? I don't think I would end a friendship, no. Yeah. See, uh, to me, I feel like I'd be placating the stuff that needs to be healed. Like by ending the friendship, I'm removing the trigger, um, which is not to say if there's a legitimate reason for the trigger, <laughs> it should end. The friendship should end if there's like a romantic intention of the friend. Um, if, you know, there's something not clean about it, then I get it. That makes total sense. So what about the other way around of if uh, Kylie or, you know, a partner, maybe a past partner of yours, have you ever had a problem with them being friends with their ex or guy friends? I've certainly been triggered by some guy friends and in those, I did the work to, you know, make sure that I, to clean up the connection that I had with those guys, you know, what was triggering about them? Because if, if my partner tells me that it's clean and, you know, I trust them with that, that conversation, then I'm like, okay, what's coming up for me? And uh, I know that I had to clear with one of the guys once to be like, hey, this comes up for me. This is, I think, why I just want to clear the air between us. And it was great. I mean, it led to more trust, a deepening of friendship between me and him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, 
you can't expect it one way and not the other, you know? So if someone is having a problem with their partner's friend, one or two or three of them, <laughs> let's just say one of them, what's a good way to bring it up to them, to the partner about, you know, if they're feeling uncomfortable, but just say they, let's just say they've talked about it to them already, but it, this has been a constant problem. What's a good oh. way for them to present it? Well, I think you could say, hey, blah, 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 is now a good time. Most people don't ask that when they want to start a conversation. They just bulldoze into it, usually when their partner is doing something that's important to them to test to see if they're as important as the thing. So is now a good time? Uh, the rule for the partner who's being asked is they have 24 hours. So if you say now's not a good time, you can't dodge it for the next seven years. You're going to have the conversation in the next 24 hours. Um, and then you could say, look, we both know that this has been coming up for me and it's been triggering. And I'd like to discuss how we can make it so, you know, I still value, I value that you have friendships that are important to you. It's important to me that both of us have healthy friendships with other people, even if it's a different gender or the gender that we're attracted to. And then I would say, um, you know, I'd really like to be able to create, create some safety around that uh, and come up with some solutions together as to what that might look like. And that way you're not like criticizing their behavior. You're not, you're asking for them to participate in it. Not that you get to dictate um, but you do get to have standards and expectations and you're going to have to communicate those. Like if your partner is, you know, texting at 2 a.m. with that person, that might be a bit of a thing that's uncomfortable. I mean, there's so much space in that. There's a lot of unhealthy behavior that we don't even know is unhealthy, you know, where we're like literally so sourcing our emotional needs and we're in sort of like an emotional relationship that's deeply intimate with another person. And that actually creates so we don't get to the same depth of intimacy with our partner. You know, it sort of puts a limit on it. Mm. Are you done talking or are you yeah. thinking? <laughs> no, no, I, I was done. I'm like, are you done talking? Are you thinking? You You're thinking? looking. Did well, I look pensive? Was I like you were looking man. off, and also oh, I was looking at your picture. Oh, my major, <laughs> but also men <laughs> sometimes it takes them a while to get their thoughts. I mean, that's one thing I've been learning is to just pause, like don't interrupt, and just wait. So I'm like, because uh, you might have more. <laughs> I always have more, but that's it. That's the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are the most? Um, is there a common thing that people you go to you for when it about the subject? Is there like yeah, a you know, it's question? usually yeah, you know, it is usually that like my partner has lots of X types of friends, blah blah blah, blah and I'm uncomfortable with that, or they go for fancy dinners with them and that kind of stuff, and you know, it's. It, my answer is always it depends because there's so many different variables to like what's each person's relational history, what is integrity to either person, 
Um, you know, what is the communication like? Is there a lack of safety in the relationship that exists for other reasons that they're actually grasping to things to bring up the safety issue? So it's kind of like, you know, when someone leaves the toilet seat up, you know, and someone, the partner keeps having to say something. It's not about the toilet seat. It becomes about you know, I don't feel important to you. I don't feel like I matter. I don't feel like when I say something, you listen. I don't feel like you consider me. So it becomes about the content, but it's not about the content because if you feel bulletproof safe in your relationship, friendships aren't going to bother you. It doesn't mean things won't come up like, you know, fucking, you know, someone sends a eggplant emoji with a little squirt out of it. There's going to be some issues, right? <laughs> So I get it. There's going to be issues that are going to come up, but if your relationship feels safe, it won't bother you. You're, I, you're absolutely right. Because I, with Pete, I think, I mean, for the most part, I, I do feel really safe with him. With um, like his exes, we've bumped into some before and I have felt completely fine and untriggered by it. I mean, solely on the base based on the way that he shows up to and the way he introduces me. Cause I feel like women have a pretty intuitive sense with things like that. And even if your partner's good about that, if the other person like gives off bad vibes, like we pick up right. on that really fast. The sketch vibes. Yeah, for sure. That's true. Right. And I, you know, I trust my partner's feelings as valid, you know, but it doesn't mean I've left a gateway for those feelings, which I think are two separate things. You know, often I think we can get upset at our partner that someone is projecting sexual energy or emotional energy onto them when yeah. they're actually not doing anything. Yeah. So we get upset with them because we feel a sense of insecurity because we see that other people desire our partner, which is going to happen. That's human. I mean, that shit's happening walking down the street. Do you think it's a good idea when you get into a relationship to have these kind of talks before they come up? A hundred percent for sure. You know, to say like, I have these couple of friends, they're really important to me. They're, you know, and I really value the friendships that I have. I, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it where you're exploring, like, how do you feel about um, relationships with uh, the opposite sex? And that's what a great question to bring up because it's going to bring forward insecurities. It's going to bring forward so many different things that are just going to lead to get to know your partner better. You know, have they been betrayed by someone who uh, cheated on them with a friend? That's important information to know because then you might want to be more proactive about your communication, about hanging out with friends, just to be honorable and kind, you know, and instead of being like, oh, now I'm going to have to deal with this, you know, it's being able to say, oh, I can be a little more tender with that trigger. Um, and, I, and that's important. Yeah, Pete and I had that conversation early on. And uh, I just wanted to be very clear on it. And I asked him specifically to the point, even like, does it bother you when I hug other guys or like kiss them on the cheek? You know, like that specific, I just, I wanted to know. And by the way, his answer was uh, no, but he's like, but if you're kissing every single guy on the cheek, I might, <laughs> I might find that unnecessary. <laughs> Unless he's in France. Then <laughs> right. Be different. They all do that. I think it comes down to good communication and good, ba healthy boundaries mutual respect for everybody yeah and like do you have a history of banging your friends that's important do you keep people that you bang as friends 
which that's important. Like it's important to know that if you're the, what you're asking your partner to hold is actually a complex, you know, emotional love affair that's got a long history. That's harder for a partner to hold. And that makes sense. So if we can have compassion as we're introducing that subject, you know, and, and being able to like imagine ourselves in their position. Often we don't want to do that because we think like, well, we don't want to have to change. We don't want to have to change. And we don't, we, when you're single and you have all these friends, you don't have to think about the boundaries that go around the friendship. But when you're in a relationship, you're dealing with someone else's feelings, someone else's thoughts, someone else's world. And that means we have to be compassionate to it. If you want to merge your world with someone else's, you can't just bulldoze your world into theirs. We have to think about the merger and we have to think about what works. You know, ultimately, you shouldn't have to abandon any part of yourself to go into that merger. It should feel like the boundaries you're being asked to place or the friendships you're being asked to build together are actually deepening the intimacy of the relationship and expanding the capacity of the relationship. I mean, I, I think like the most important thing to me always is that my partner is friends with these incredible women that I know. Like, why wouldn't I want more women to know each other who are incredible and proud to bring my partner to my friends, you know? And if any of those things are off, it's a real, just an inquiry to go, why? Like get curious because there's, there's always something just a little more there, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have a question about exes and people who are friends with all or like most of their exes. Do you do that? <laughs> no, my exes are acquaintances, but you know, I don't text them. I don't. Okay. I'm wondering what is the psychology behind people who feel the need to stay friends with their exes? Well, I think there's the first part, which is the caveat that sometimes there are incredible friendships. Um, because, of course, your relationships, usually you're best friends with your partner. And so I think there can be the complete loss of anything romantic when you're, you know, you date them when you're like 18, 19, and now you're 32 and you're married to someone else and have kids, that you can have a reasonable friendship with them. Um, so I think I always like to add that because there are times when that's true. And... I think a lot of the times the psychology behind that is we don't like to not be liked. We don't like to see the impact of our relationships ending on other people. So this is why right after we break up, we're like, we could be friends, right? You want to still stay friends on Instagram, do all those things, share the dog, all those types of shit. And you're like, <laughs> no, because one person generally is dishonoring themselves in that exchange. The one person who has hope, who wants the relationship, will usually um, minimize their own needs in order to stay connected. And in doing that, they're completely selling out their healing. And the other person selfishly wants to stay friends with them, but it comes generally from an unconscious place because they don't want to see the hurt. They want to say, we can still be friends, right? We can still be friends, right? And there's also a part of not being fully willing to accept an ending. And so, you know, it's not like after my relationships ended, I was like, we should talk and still hang out. No, how confusing is that? No one wants that. Like the story's over, let's move on. And, you know, should the world bring us back? Great, in a friendship or relational capacity, maybe, but you always have to actually have an ending. 
And I think a lot of the times when we stay best friends with all our exes, we're not actually experiencing the ending. And we're also, we're also not getting the impact that our choices actually truly have, which I think is important. It's important to see that when you end a relationship, you see relationships sever. That's a healthy thing to experience because if you never experience it, um, you're not really bringing anything to completion, if that makes sense. For you personally, if you've had a friendship in the past where either you started liking the person romantically or you sense that they started liking you romantically, how do you have that conversation? Or do you just not have it and you give space? Mm, that's a good question. I think often we have to take into context what we're going through. So if you've like just been through a breakup or something like that, it could be just the heart trying to cling, which is not to dismiss the experience. Um, but if you're not going to act on it, it might be good to just observe it. Because if you act on it and have that conversation, sure, it might affect the friendship, right? It might cause yeah. the other person to pull away. So I think till you're ready to act upon it, if, if not acting upon it gets in the way of your friendship, then you know you need to act upon it. Does that make sense? Yes, that does yeah. make sense. What if it's the other person and they don't, like you could sense it, but they're not saying anything? I'd bring it forward personally. I would say, hey, I sense this. Um, am I picking up the right energy? Is <laughs> Do you it, like me? Yeah, you want to bang me, don't you? Are you trying to bang me? Um, <laughs> she's like, no. <laughs> she's like, no, get over yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, well, I, but I do think if you sense that it's getting in the way of the friendship and it's getting weird, then you have the conversation. Okay. There's a study where they asked men and women in college. This is an interesting study. It's funny. Uh, would you have sex with your opposite sex friend? And almost all the women were like, no. And almost all the guys were like, yes. <laughs> and I think that draws an interesting uh, distinction between the genders that is probably due to social socialization more than anything. Um, but this idea that women do tend to really honor the container of the friendship, you know? <laughs> and I think there's also a more of a biological cost for women to have casual sex, you know, yes. in that you have a baby and, you know, like I needed to tell you that, but you know, <laughs> for all of us that needed a biology lesson in that one second there. Uh, and so that's probably a, a large reason that there's a greater distinction and that when a man gets put in the friendship box, he tends to stay there. But for men, you know, we are opportunists in a lot of ways when it comes to sex as well. And I, I think we've socialized men to be like, yeah, it's normal to have casual sex. It's normal. That actually is correlated to your masculinity. And so I think there's, mm, there's less integrity or responsibility around that piece, not realizing that when, you know, in speaking from my own experience, when I had um, sexual relationships with friends, it affected the friendships. And in a lot of ways, it was selfish to act on that. And I remember my friend asked me once, uh, a guy friend who said, you know, if, if you said you wanted a relationship, 
even though you guys have had this conversation and you're being honest about your intentions and so is she, if you said you wanted a relationship, do you think she'd want one? And I was like, mm, yeah, probably. And he was like, so where's your line of integrity? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck. Because that was a new line where it was like, you know, most people will get lost in the language of it's not your job to take responsibility for their feelings. And I understand that. But I also think once you have a higher level of self-awareness of your own self, um, when you recognize that you're taking advantage of other people's inability to stand in their truth by dancing in semantics, you're in a slippery slope of integrity. And so as soon as I had that awareness, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that anymore. I didn't even realize I was doing it. It was so passively manipulative. It really is simple. And I think in a lot of ways we have to just look to anything that comes up in our relationships with gratitude because it just brings us closer together. You know what I mean? Like either way, the trigger for you just means that we're going to get a deeper level of intimacy because I'm going to understand a trigger of yours more. And I'm going to be able to be part of the repairing of that trigger, even if it's historical, which what a gift that is. I mean, all the stuff that comes up in our relationships is generally historical. I do have one more question. Yes. So when you, <laughs> when you, when you have female friends and then you get into a serious relationship, uh, we already discussed that naturally you have less time to hang out and talk to just all your friends in general, but with your female friends in particular, does anything else change once you're mm. in that relationship? I mean, probably the content of the conversation. Like where I'm, I'm, I'm guess I'm speaking more from personal experience here, but I would imagine this is true for most people is the level of intimacy that you're going to go to is going to be different because you want to preserve the sacredness of your relationship. So you might not as where you might've been sharing everything that you've been going through as a, through your breakup or um, through your dating or whatever it is. Uh, as soon as you enter that union, not, that the information from that union is not for everybody. So the content of what you would share would likely go down. It's certainly true for me because I think about like, do they have the right to this information? And would my partner be okay with me sharing this information? And um, a lot of the times, I mean, you have to err on the side of caution with that one because it's better to not (laughs) than to, and then have to reel back some information that you share. It also sets a standard of like, you're not going to them for emotional s- support. Like, right. you know, I think that's important as where like you and I have a long history. So I could go to you for emotional support and there would not be a, um, like there would not be a violation of my relational experience because you're also historical, right? With me and she knows that. And, but I think for me, like I would seek a therapist. I would seek, uh, that's usually what I do is get support from a therapist. Because you realize that when you start to share intimate details of your relationship with uh, someone of the opposite sex, you're almost in a way creating a gateway or a side conversation that I think can threaten the relationship. It could be a slippery slope. Totally. And it, it's funny how that happens because you mentioned coworkers. I mean, because you spend so much time with coworkers, if you're working in an office or I used to have a shared office space and my office mate, like we didn't know each other at first. He found the, my 
uh, office space on Craigslist, you know, <laughs> but we became best friends over the course of a year or two, completely unintentional, but it's because we see each other every single day, like Monday through Friday for hours at a time. And, it, and they're the first ones to see you, you know, how you start your day. And when you get pissed about something, almost it's, there's an intimacy there sometimes in some ways that at one point, like he knew more about me than Pete did. Not necessarily that I'm sharing all this stuff with him, but that he just sees me for everything, yeah. mealtime, lunchtime, everything. <laughs> you like run out of shit to talk about. You gotta. Right. But there's a natural intimacy there, even if you're not trying to build it. I mean, we're, we were not and are not romantically attracted to each other. It's not that, but how they just happen to be there. And there's a natural intimacy that builds. Well, yeah. And I think when we have challenges in our relationship, that's when it becomes dangerous for friendships that have some level of intimacy because we go to these other people and they're not judging us. We're good to them. They might even take our side on some things because they want to um, uh, be our, uh, build some camaraderie with us. And so they're not, we don't get the same level where we might be feeling criticized at home. When really we're maybe not showing up, maybe we're taking our partner for granted, maybe we're doing all these things, but because we don't know how to handle that because we might be delicate or our ego might be delicate, we then invest more in these other things, in these other people. That's where a slippery slope can really occur. I mean, I remember I was in a relationship and this was, I don't even know how long ago, a long time. And my work partner was an incredibly fun, incredibly attractive super cool woman and we had known each other for years and we just ended up starting to work together as well and we both were in relationships and i could feel myself starting to like be attracted to her and start to like her because my relationship was having conflict and uncertainty and i had to observe that and be like okay this isn't and i remember my friends were like oh how's your work wife you know like they'd yeah. make sort of jokes about it but inside I was like, yeah, fuck, I don't, I'm getting confused, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And that's where I could see that I was starting to build this intimacy with someone else. And then it naturally blocks the intimacy that you have with your partner because it takes up space and you're not going to them for the challenges. You're going to your friend. Mm. And so now you start to build this other relationship and that's why it's so easy for what was, that's why people who think, they'd never have an affair in their life start to have affairs because they they go to where they're celebrated not where their work needs to occur i mean with me i i always just keep the communication very clear with pete and also that he's included in everything mm -hmm. like i'm not right. just having conversations over here like with my office mate we get along well because we uh he's a film director so we yeah. can talk about being creative together and he understands the nature of my work in that way where, where Pete has, um, he approaches work differently. So I, I just view it as we get along in this way, but I talk to Pete about that. Not like, yeah, not exactly. like I go over here for this, but just like, Oh, we, Avin and I talked about this today. I'm going to help him on this commercial. Um, just so it's included. And there's no, I never have a fear of, because one of my friends, they ask, 
Like, what if you get put in the situation where you get tempted or something? And to me, I'm, I'm like, I would never be put in that, that kind of situation. Yeah. Like, you know how to stop it before that. And also yes. you're not going to him for help about Pete, no. right? Like exactly. Which as soon as we start doing that, that's when, you know, that's what I was doing was talking about my relationship with this other woman. And of course, the other women, we're not in a relationship, so everything's fine. But, you know, in the research, one of the beginnings of the end of a relationship is when you start to imagine real or imagined alternatives to your partnership. So that's why it's easy to say. So whenever I think about that concept of like, if I imagine someone else, okay, well, if I'm imagining someone else, then I should be investing the energy that I'm about to imagine into my relationship. I should, there's a vulnerability I'm avoiding that's bringing my attention here. Go back, like meet, meet your relationship, meet the conversation you don't want to have. Have you ever had it where you were in a relationship and then you found yourself attracted to someone else, but this was genuine? Like it was like a real connection and maybe you were realizing I'm basically asking if you've actually, if you yourself have ever left someone for someone else, no, your friends. No, I never okay. have. I think in a lot of ways too, it's because I don't allow that energy to even get there. Like I might be like, oh yeah, this person's got a good soul. They're a good human there. And there might've been potential in that pathway, but I don't allow myself to go there because I can acknowledge like there's a connection somewhere, but I wouldn't put my energy towards it because I, I know how delicate those balances are. I know how important that investment in your partnership is versus somewhere else. It's gosh, it's so easy to go down the wrong path. And I used to think that because I've been cheated on before, mm -hmm. like, how can you, you know, I used to think like, how can you, can someone do that? It's such a dick move like such a coward <laughs> move and I never understood like just zero compassion for it I mean I still think it's absolutely wrong but I do now I do understand how some people can end up there and I have a better understanding of it although I still don't yeah you just have to have good conversations and if you feel your and good self-awareness and you if you feel yourself go in one direction or if your needs aren't getting met talk to your partner about it when i think the challenge with uh that is that a lot of relationships are missing both of the things you said the ability to have conversations and to turn towards you know that's most people don't do that most people you know when you think about not now let's just exclude the narcissistic sociopath who's a serial cheater let's just exclude that because that's a whole other conversation and they're not going to change but to the average person who may have committed infidelity and this is not coming from someone who's a cheater trying to save all the cheaters so relax anyone listening to this it's it's more of just the compassionate lens that when a relationship has run its course there is no place for people to generally go because uh, we shame anyone who ends a relationship. We shame divorced people. And so what happens a lot of the time, we also say stay together for the kids. Don't stay together for the kids. Do the work for the fucking kids. Change for the kids. But there's the order of what's healthy for kids is 
two parents together who love each other. That's the ideal, right? Then it's two parents not together who love and respect each other. And then pick, both are bad, two parents who are not together who treat each other like shit or people who are together who treat each other like shit. They're on the same level. The together has nothing to do with it. It has to do with how you treat each other and the kindness you have, the generosity, the grace, the admiration, the respect. That's what teaches kids healthy things. So because of that, because we put relational endings in a, in a purgatory, really, and we put the people in there filled with shame, we exile them from our communities. I mean, we don't personally do that, but society does. Religion does. Culture does. So when you've been in, uh, had those narratives embedded in your unconscious, what happens a lot in those relationships is there's so much resentment and so much contempt that one partner just completely withdraws themselves from the relationship. So they're not broken up, but they've left. They haven't left the relationship, but they've left the relationship. And sometimes it's like, well, if they cheat on me, if they leave me, if they die, then the relationship can end and it won't be my fault. And so, and it, that, that's not always an unconscious thought or a conscious thought, but I've definitely know lots of people who have thought that way. And what happens is, is they treat them in a way that inevitably they're going to try to get their needs met somewhere else. Um, or maybe the relationship is void of any intimacy. Maybe there's, it has been infidelity and it's never been repaired. You know, whatever it is, there's lying, there's betrayal. And then the other partner cheats. And so that's sometimes a, a way that that gets created is we don't know how to create emotional safety in our relationships. We don't know how to communicate. We don't know how to get our needs met. Most people don't know how to actually ask for what they need. And when they ask for it, there's so much resentment built below their request that the other person's like, why would I do that for you? You never do any of this for me. And so we get stuck at this standstill and then often it feels easier to just leave and start a new relationship. And let's be honest, sometimes that's probably true. I mean, sometimes that's probably true. People don't like that answer, but if we're just calling out the realities of life, sometimes it's true. Sometimes there's so much shit between two people that started when they got married at 19 because they were taught to, and they're 47 with three kids, and they just... There's so much unresolved stuff. Can you work through it? Yes, but you have to both be willing to. And it's going to be uncomfortable because you're going to hear that you weren't always great. So there's a lot of layers to that one. Oh, totally. I think for me, it's just when, uh, when it's forced. You can work on stuff, but if it yeah. feels forced on either end, that's definitely not a good sign. Because you can work on a lot of stuff together, but it's, uh, like you said, willing. Both if both partners. people aren't doing it, it's it's not going to survive. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's like one person can never do the work for two, although yeah. do they try, Yeah. you know? But my black and white question is, do you want to do the work? Are you willing to put it in? I am. Are you? Okay, what would the work look like? Would it be going to therapy together? Would it be doing a course? Would it be listening to podcasts? Would it be reading books? What does it look like? Because we... If we're going to, if we have in our mind what the work looks like and we don't tell them, mm -hmm. they're not going to meet the expectations. So you have to have, what are the deal breakers? We go to therapy once every two weeks. We, you, we each see our own. 
coach or therapist separately, you know, and, or I'm part of a men's group and you're part of a women's group, but either way our, you know, we're, we're cleaning it up and that's important because most people don't do that. They're like, yeah, let's work on things. But meanwhile, they do the same fucking thing every day. Yeah. And that willingness, I think that's a really good question to ask because you'll get so much clarity. Are you willing to do this? And if that person says yes or no, and a lot, a lot of times the people who are in limbo or, you know, like are on their way to breaking up, but aren't sure. And all, you know, all that stuff. If you just ask your partner, are you willing? I mean, they already know the answer. Exactly. No, he's not willing to do it. And if they say yes, and then they don't do anything, then you know they're full of shit too. That's also, yeah. That's right. also a no. Right. And, and it's the courage to face that truth. Because yeah. when you ask that question, you're going to get an answer. Yeah. And when you notice their behavior after they give you a yes, you get an answer too. Yes. So your self-worth doesn't live in whether they choose to show up and actually change and put in an investment in the relationship. Your self-worth is born in the space of will you tolerate anything less than what you know you need in order to create a successful relationship. Yep. That's what it comes down to. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's that simple. <laughs> Relationships that <simple>. solved. <laughs> oh, wait. Let me do a formal outro. Okay. I don't think I did, right? Thank you for all the nuggets. And thanks for always sharing your words of wisdom. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so happy that you're doing a podcast and sharing all your thoughts on human relationships because you have a lot of insight. So I'm grateful that you invited me and I'm excited <laughs> to see what you create. We sound so stupid when it's horrible. <laughs> and milady, it's been an honor and a privilege. <laughs> we sound so stupid. Later, loser. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings, and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.